360Ed TV is brought to you by Rice Studios and Agility. Peter Kilgoyne, you're most uh, welcome today. You're the ILT Director at Heart of Worcester uh, College and um, you're here speaking today. Uh, you're sharing an international case study based on a blended learning consortium uh, and you're exploring the question, how do colleges partner for higher quality in their blended learning endeavours? Peter, could you summarise uh, the case study's key learnings for us? Uh, yeah. Um, the Blended Learning Consortium was set up a couple of years ago um, to deal with one of the big problems in uh, the UK further education sector, which was we were all being asked to move towards a blended learning model of curriculum delivery. Um, but there was a, a huge lack of good quality content um, to support that delivery. Um, and it struck me that one way to overcome that dearth of content um, was for colleges to work together to create that content collaboratively. Mm. And so the consortium was put together to do that with the idea each college puts in £5,000 per year, that money is all pooled, the, the member colleges vote on which areas they wish to prioritise for development, and then that money is spent to produce very high quality learning resources that all the colleges get. So it's a kind of a way of amplifying mm. the, the impact of a small amount of money pulled by each college to produce a very large outcome. And Peter, you were telling me previously that, similar to Australia, there have been very significant cuts to funding yeah. uh, to the post-secondary uh, space. Uh, so as students are moving through those pathways, leaving school prior to university or maybe not going to university, those pathways, institutions, polytechnics and colleges like yourself have been very heavily uh, impacted by government cuts. Yeah, yes. The sector as a whole has been very heavily impacted and I think because we don't have the same political clout that the universities and the schools have, um, that when austerity kicked in, um, in in the UK around 2008-2009 following the clash, uh, the crash, um, the funding in the further education sector took a much bigger hit than, than other education sectors. And so blended learning in, in a way, and very sadly from my point of view, who's passionate about it as a pedagogical model and, and in terms of how it can enhance learning, has partly become a solution to delivering the same courses with less money. Indeed, yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess if it's a motivation to, to move towards the end goal, um, that's great. But how do we make sure that what is actually steering the conversation isn't purely economic uh, criteria, it's more bedded in that quality piece that you were just talking about. Yeah, I, I, the, the quality is crucial and, and that's something that the, the consortium approach does achieve, that what an individual college could achieve by spending £5,000 internally is a tiny fraction of what they can achieve by 90 colleges putting together and having £450,000 to spend, which then everyone gets the, the benefits of. Um, the, there are clear, clear benefits of doing blended learning for college students and certainly we've seen that in our own college and in colleges that have joined the consortium um, and I think it's important to talk about those, it's not just about efficiency savings so we see that learners are picking up um, improving their digital literacy skills, um, they're improving their employability skills 
I think most importantly, they're improving their independent learning skills. Um, I think the reality in, in all vocational education across the whole world is that what they're learning in college now will be out of date in five or ten years' time. And so the young people today that are studying vocational qualifications, they're going to have to constantly reskill themselves throughout their lives. And they're probably going to have to do that largely through online and independent learning. And so preparing learners to learn in that way, getting them used to learning independent learning is a really important part of future-proofing them for that, that future they're going to be living in. Teach them to fish. Indeed. Comes back to the old one every time. Um, no, thank you for that. Um, I'm really interested in exploring a little bit more about the, the consortia framework. Um, and uh, an Australian writer, Greg uh, Sattel, recently wrote that the truth is that today the possibilities of many technologies far uh, exceed the ability of any one firm to capitalise on them. Mm-hmm. So the key competitive advantage is no longer to optimise value chains, but to extend capabilities through collaboration, either directly or through platforms. How does that does that resonate with you and the work that you've done at HOW? Uh, what institutional conditions need to be in place for a consortium-style relationship to take root and flourish? Yeah, um, certainly that, that, that quote resonates with me very strongly that um, what the technology offers, the, the, what, uh, what it gives educators, the things that they can do with that in order to improve learning, to empower learners, is, is huge. And the amount that that is being exploited is, is a tiny, tiny fraction of what could be done. There, there are many barriers for educational organisations to get the most out of the use of technology. Um, there are um, things like resistance from both teachers and learners to change. Um, there's the um, just entrenched way of doing things and, and not changing that way of doing things. Um, there's the, the skill sets that, that, that educators need to have in order to make the most of technology. So these sort of things come together to, to hold organisations back. And by working collaboratively, um, as, as that quote suggests, is a way of getting over a lot of those, those, those barriers. Um, firstly, that the, the main impact of the Blended Learning Consortium is, is the pooled funding, that how an investment of £5,000 per year turns into £450,000 by everyone's money being pooled because everyone gets everything that comes out of it. Scale benefits, really. It's good. Absolutely. absolutely. So that, that scalability is a massive thing. But also what happens is a sharing of best practice. The, 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 that excellent engineering lecturer in College A who has some great ideas about how to use that content, content that practice can be shared across the whole consortium. So those nuggets of really, really excellent stuff that will crop up across the consortium can be amplified across all the consortium colleges and can help drive the whole consortium forward in a way that colleges working in individual silos where they're just looking inwards on what they're doing themselves wouldn't happen. So are there any particular initiatives in place to capture those those exemplar pieces of work and then disseminate. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yeah. and the consortium is very much a, a community, um, and so we put a lot of time into maintaining and building that community. So, for example, we have um, three meetings per year at a, at a regional level, uh, where managers and teachers from all the consortium colleges within those regions can come along for a day share best practice, um, present on things that they're doing with that content. 
Um, we have our own social media platform where people can get into online discussions with people from other colleges as to what they're doing at content. Uh, we have an annual conference. Uh, we just had our annual conference three weeks ago and 250 delegates came to that conference and uh, saw presentations from around the consortium uh, and went to a number of workshops um, where they could uh, get some hands-on experience of trying different things that had been developed. We've just started um, with an annual learning impact award. So all consortium colleges were invited uh, to put forward uh, an entry to this, um, a simple one-side description of how one teacher is, is using the content from the consortium. Um, those entries are then put before uh, managers from all the consortium colleges to, to, to vote for, to rank them out of 10, and the entry that gets the highest score went on to win. And so that gave us a great way of sharing best practice, of exposing that great best practice to the community and rewarding that best practice as well. The, the colleagues that won that award were absolutely thrilled and uh, made a nice sort of media story out of it for themselves. Uh, they won an iPad, which was obviously delightful for them. Um, and so we, we have a, a whole range of ways in which that best practice is shared next year or the next academic year, which in the UK terms means starting in September, uh, we're going to be having a monthly webinar where individual colleges will be asked to do a one-hour webinar presentation about things that they're doing with the Blended Learning Consortium content. And again, that will share that best practice around the consortium. I understand you're also engaged in some partnerships with companies uh, like Cengage. We are indeed, yes. yes. Um, yeah, now we've got a, a number of commercial partners um, and <clears throat> the background to this was that once the consortium had reached around 30 colleges, I noticed that my phone started ringing more often by what I, I then termed very disparagingly as the greasy salesman. <laughs> um, and I felt a bit like an IT manager rather than the learning manager. I know our, our most IT managers in college and universities have to have a barrier between themselves and uh, an outside phone mm -hmm. line uh, because they're constantly getting rung up. But it struck me quite quickly, hang on, this could be something that could be mutually beneficial. So a number of companies that were offering um, e-learning services, e-learning content, e-learning platforms, um, would potentially benefit from partnering with the consortium by having access to this large group of colleges um, and those colleges could benefit from those companies if there was some mutually beneficial way of interacting and so the model that we came up with was that we have a section on our website for commercial partners, any company that is offering a quality product that a number of our members will endorse as being a quality product can go on that website if and only if they offer a substantial price reduction for the consortium Ooh. colleges. So Cengage, for example, in the UK are offering a 40% reduction off a collection of their e-resources. Now that means from their point of view, obviously they're making less money on the sale of each one, but by amplifying those sales through the consortium, they make more money overall. You can concentrate that, uh, yeah. that, that so access to the content. Exa yeah. Exactly, and, and so those relationships have benefited the colleges um, significantly. A lot of colleges mm. have made larger savings and their annual £5,000 paying in through those um, uh, consortium promotions that the companies have offered and the companies are getting more sales. And what a great way then to present the value proposition back to your partners who, who already recognise it, but yeah, it's just an additional yeah. value add. 
Peter, final question, and I've asked this of everybody. Mm -hmm. Is the four-year degree dead? Right, well, from a UK perspective, it was never alive. But I know what you're getting at here, um, and I will answer it with a, a UK spin. Peter, um, that's almost like our next um, uh, foray into the Ashes Challenge. It's not, it's not alive at this point, because we don't have anyone really to play. So. Yeah. Um, so, in the UK, the standard degree is a three-year degree, three-year full-time. Um, so, I think that's uh, equivalent to your four-year degree, no doubt. Um, and... Uh, now, what is starting to happen is that is starting to unravel. That standard offering of a three-year full-time degree, and that's what every post-18 person doing a degree does, is beginning to unravel in a number of ways. Um, so more people are doing part-time routes, and so that will stretch that three years over a long, larger number of years um, with them working at the same time. Now, a large driver for this I, I'm guessing it's similar in Australia, but I don't know enough about the detail of your funding. Um, but I'm of the generation where my degree was completely free. It was, well, wasn't free, it was paid for by the government. Yes. And I got a full grant, so my living costs were paid for by the government. My children and uh, you know, kids going into degrees now, um, they have to take out a loan to pay for their degree. And they have yeah. to take out a loan too. for their living costs. And um, that's obviously a big burden throughout their lives. So a number of universities in the UK are looking at becoming more competitive and more attractive by looking at two-year degrees. So okay. um, therefore, less two years worth of debts rather than three years worth of debts for the learners, that is an attractive proposition for Are a the programs themselves learner. accelerated? Is the volume yes, of learning the same? Um, the, the, the model is that, you know, typically... A learner in a university is learning about 28 weeks of the year, actually. So it's not much more than half of the year. I don't know if that's similar here. Uh, we have very long holidays. Think about that. Uh, we have very long summer holidays and uh, a month off at Christmas, a month off at Easter. Mm -hmm. And so some, some universities are starting to look at extending that 28-week year into maybe 42 weeks. Mm. Um, and Hence so, time efficiency is coming. Yeah, and so... Yeah, 42 weeks times two is probably similar to 28 yeah, times yeah, three. Yeah. So just squeezing that down to two years that way. Um, and I think there aren't many universities doing that at the moment, but I think from the learner point of view, I can see that could be very attractive in terms of their long-term debt certainly, position. certainly fits to their... Um, we were talking about how, how uh, so many students carry additional jobs just mm. to get through. So um, it... it kind of gives them the opportunity to quarantine that time with some funding to enable them to get through the, the study, yeah. uh, keep you know, heart and heart together, feed themselves and still succeed in yeah. Another okay. change um, that I think may have a, a, a more immediate impact are, are degree apprenticeships. And again, mm. I'm not sure mm. if you have those in Australia. And um, that was something that only, you know, only a very tiny number of those existed a, a few years ago at all. It's, it's mm. only something I became aware of about 18 months ago, um, a lot of government funding is going into in, um, encouraging universities to offer degree apprenticeships. Um, and I think from the learner point of view, certainly my kids have all gone to the university now. If I had a 16-year-old kid, I would be saying, think strongly Ooh. about that, Ooh. because you earn while you learn. You are getting good vocational experience at the same time as your degree, and you come out without debts. I think it's a 
from a, a young person's point of view, it's a very attractive option. Yeah. Um, obviously, those degree apprenticeships are going to be much more available in the vocational areas than the academic areas. I don't think there'll be many opportunities for um, degree apprentices in philosophy. Mm. Um, and so there's some of the humanities and social sciences won't have many options in those areas mm. and perhaps social work, nursing type things will we'll build along those sorts of models. So to your question, <laughs> going back to the question, I know, don't know a huge amount about the Australian <laughs> scenario, but I would imagine you're under very similar kinds of pressures. Yeah. So I would imagine from what little I know that yes, the, degree, the years of the four year degree are probably numbered. Going to, yes, that's right. Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, um, you. thank you for sharing your experience with the consortium and more broadly, uh, your experience from the UK. Peter, thank you. Cheers. Then.